you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. What's this week's excuse, boys? Welcome to the Around the NFL Podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal in a room filled with one hero. He's such a big man in terms of his personality. He fills the room. It's Mark Sessler. I not thought, sitting in the power chair. I thought you were I'm talking about yourself. Chair. I mean, let's just be real here. We just, like, we attempted to start the show about six, seven minutes ago. And, you know, Dan is not here today. He's out on vacation. Hope he's having a great time. But he has a little manual timer that he uses next yeah. to his uh, laptop to see where we are in real time in the show. And um, it looks like something from 1996. But Greg today, wielding the timer, um, placed it haphazardly. What am I trying to say? On top of the cough button, and the show began in utter silence from Greg's mic. But now we're now we're here. Well, I'm glad now we spent a minute on that awesome story. You know, well we got to fill the time. Uh, it's going to be a big show. The news is so boring uh, this weekend. Like the the best news I could find that like is like Durham Smythe uh, signed a contract extension. That we're skipping straight past the news, Mark, and we're going to get right into wide receiver rankings with our old friend Josh Norris. Tight end rankings uh, with Danny Kelly from The Ringer, who does a great job on their draft guide. And we're going to start going to school on the draft, as I know you have been, including on your weekend trip in Austin, where you met you know many adoring fans of the Around the NFL podcast. Yeah, went into went to Austin, visited my brother. And I know we're on a tight clock here, Greg, so I'll <laughs> keep this story short. But um, had a great time. I mean, I'd never been there before. We just picked a random city to go to. And we did have a uh, – there was a pod listener that stopped us uh, for a minute to say hello. And uh, it was a very typical scenario where he had uh, tried to exp- – There was I put a little Instagram post out saying I was in Austin. He explained to his wife, we might run into this guy from this podcast. And so when it happened in real time, it's always sort of what you get. is like the wife is like, what is it about this person that interests you on any level? And why did you stop down on our – vacation to speak to him so you know it went fairly well that is next level though that he warned her we might see mark sessler and then you delivered i mean i i didn't do anything i was just sitting there but you're right i think the fates delivered like destiny the world the podcast is very different uh mark and and justin sitting in dan's quote-unquote power chair I'm, I'm sitting in the chair so that i can see justin more importantly because otherwise mark and i would be sitting next to each other on the same side of the desk, like that couple who sits that way at restaurants. I'm sure Justin is part of that couple. He's laughing because it's true. If you're in a booth, I mean, what else are you going to do? I agree. If the booth is separated far apart from it, you know, you want to be on that same side. In a booth, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I just mean out of like a two-top, not a, you know, where it's like a banquette that other people share and you're you're both at the same uh, side. That's too much. Yeah. Go, no, I agree. Actually. You want to you wanna look. Greg struggles with the human contact element of things sometimes. <laughs> so there's that baked into it. Even with my wife. Uh, let's not wait any longer. Let's get Josh Norris of Underdog I'm Fantasy. I'm a human. I'm really not. I, uh, I'm going on <laughs> vacation though tomorrow. And so this is the last big thing I'm going to do. Um, but... Before I go, I wanted to. I wanted to learn. I wanted to go to school. I thought, what what can we do today so that we get smarter about the NFL draft? It's coming. The draft is in less than a month. Mark and I are starting to cram, and the best way to cram is to get on intelligent draft analysts like Josh Norris from Underdog Fantasy. Welcome, Josh. Gentlemen, great to see you. Uh, this is a smooth operation I am joining today, <laughs> and already I believe of the 1,483 episodes you all have done, wow. uh, this might be number one. Research. He knew the episodes. Yeah. We don't even know the episodes. 16 Just, away from 1,500 then. We're yeah. almost there. I mean, I, ho- hopefully I'm invited back for the celebration because, again, this is going to set a record record setter today um i'm I'm thrilled to be here i am a listener i hope everyone knows this i'm a listener in fact that greg i feel like i in your position i must say that 
Gravedigger didn't even bring up his music when joining the show today. Like, oh. this needs to be mentioned at the top. Uh, that's a good point. Who who was speaking? <laughs> hey, sorry about that one. Get a little loose when Dan's not here, you know? Yeah, it's just like... Like uh, the substitute teacher pops in. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like me with my children. Hey, no respect. <laughs> well, you can be rest assured Dan will not be listening to this episode. He's who knows where he is right now. But So, underdog fantasy, getting a lot of pop uh, the last few years. Josh Norris famously nailed his mock draft two years ago, and then we had a battle between Mark and Josh going into mm-hmm. last year, which was highly contested. I don't know who won that. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if a winner was ever claimed, Mark. Um, your thoughts? Well, the storyline out of that draft, you know, we were in Las Vegas tracking uh, my mock, you know, pick by pick and, and yours as well. But it was Gravedigger who at, in the 11th mm. hour created a mock that um, totally, totally dropped a bomb on my results. So mm. I don't mm. remember how you fared in that. No, all that I know is last year doesn't matter. And then two years ago, nailing 16 of 32, like, mm. you know, this, the Dolphins going undefeated for a season is the only one I have to think about, right? <laughs> it's almost like, sure. it's almost like F them picks, to be honest with you, where went all in for one draft cycle and nailed the best mock draft ever, where the rest is kind of meaningless because I won one of them, you know, and who knows what happens this April. Mark, I mean, is now the time to like lay down the real challenge that we will track mm, I, for the final weekend in April. What better time? Right? Absolutely. I mean, we have to force it on Dan once he is back in that chair. I mean, it's like, too hey, early to way. do a mock draft. You guys I'd would, have to create it now on, at that. during the show. So but... instead, we're just going to do wide receiver rankings. We're going to go okay. to school. We're going to figure this out. And we haven't really talked about these guys as much. We've been talking about the quarterbacks in general. And I thought I would get someone smart uh, like yourself on the show to give us your rankings, Josh. And then we would ask questions. We would pick them apart. We would maybe pick out a few different things unrelated to the receivers, but about like your physical appearance to needle you on and then try to get a reaction uh, in a human way that way. Well, let me start by saying, I think this wide receiver class is different and difficult because they're all built like you, Greg. Like Mm. they're all really, you know, uh, not your typical prototype big wide receivers who went on the outside. And like, that's fine. Mark might have been a better comp, like... I'm 5'5", 135 or something. I don't know. Some of these guys aren't that far That's off. Next, that would be next level. <laughs> but it, it's, you know, now in the NFL, you can be a quote-unquote slot wide receiver, which was a stigma just a handful of years ago, right? And now you have all different shapes and sizes filling that spot. But it's it's a really fun wide receiver group, albeit I think we have to keep in mind how much we've been spoiled over the last few years with some absolute juggernauts and superstars at the position immediately once they hit the NFL. Yeah. I mean, it's, I I feel like you guys said it well on, on your show with Hayden Winks, where you talked about the fact that the NFL is changing and we almost just have to not prejudge this class for what it is because they're coming in as part of a different world of the passing game in general. And a lot of these guys, I think their size a couple of years ago would have freaked people out but the speed yeah. with some of them uh, absolutely changes the way you look at them. Who who's sort of the first guy you studied that really jumped out to you, grabbed your attention? Yeah, let's start at number one, and I'll go with Ohio State's Jackson Smith and Jigba, who, if we talk about what you just mentioned, uh, isolating a wide receiver, he didn't even play this past season, you know, just 60 snaps in total. Um, but during that one year in 2021 with Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, obviously at quarterback, Garrett Wilson at one wide receiver, Chris Olave in the other one. Then you had JSN at six foot and a half, 196 pounds, who was just a slot demon, like zero wasted movement. And just his ability to, you know, create leverage, work on the toes of a cornerback if it's man coverage or in zone where it's like so much trash and muddied up in the middle of the field. He just has like this particular mind meld with his quarterback that he's able to like sit in these windows in these spots and even work to the second or third gap if he needs to. And then as soon as he catches it, he just like rolls with the momentum and then picks up these chunk plays. Like you will never consider him one of the top athletes at the wide receiver spot, but for him to be a plug and play player in this class, there's no doubt in my mind he should rank as number one. You had a really interesting breakdown of a play he had against Penn state where he did everything that's good about him to create a big play out of the gate was what you love about him. But then his downfield, 
you know, speed. He was tackled by Joey Porter Jr. And it was like, I thought it was a wonderful sort of encapsulation of what you love about him, but also why there's, yes. he's not a, you know, a, maybe elite guy on that level from the, in terms of a speed angle. Yeah. And I mean, he will set you up to lose immediately off the line in terms of like his release package, right? Like he'll take even a jab step. The play you're talking about, Mark, is he took two steps with his left foot, which forced the corner to take the outside lane. And that's because he wanted the inside move up the field. And then, you know, sitting in that soft spot and then again, rolling away from momentum. And then, as you said, you constantly see him create separation and then sustain it. But then in Whenever he has, you know, 15 or 10 yards, then he'll get chased down at the end, which is totally fine. Like I will, I will give away some huge explosive moments of 60 yard touchdowns. If this guy gets, I don't know, 90, a hundred, 110 targets during his rookie season, if not way more than that is possible. Right. Keenan Allen has gotten caught from behind a lot of times in the NFL. And we still see guys like, I don't know why old names are coming up, but Troy Williamson and Darius Hayward Bay go high in the draft way back in the day just because they can break the big one. Like, the big one can be overrated. I like Smith and Jigba. They're at number one. I'm not worried that he missed last season. That feels very much like, look, I uh, outproduced Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and I know there's reasons for that in terms of the system. But it was still on the same team with them and easily outproduced. And then when he wasn't on the same team with them, he puts up over 300 yards in the biggest game of the year. Like that should matter for something. Like we recognize Wes Welker and Julian Edelman when they were in the slot. Like that was created by their scheme in part, but it was also still production. And it's like incredibly important. And the fact that he had a hamstring injury that basically kept him out all of last season, it felt like kind of like I'm sitting on where I uh, put up a year ago. And that's fine. Like, you have your whole career in front of you. You don't want anything worse to happen. I totally get it. And I totally look at him as like an option route master. And not every team is running those option routes. But for the ones that do, like the Patriots, for instance, who are picking at 14, and to me that – this would be a receiver pick that could actually get right. They are – they love the three-cone drill. Jackson Smith and Jigga's three-cone drill was absolutely insane. I think that absolutely translates to, to winning in the slot. He has great concentration. Like, he stops suddenly like you would expect. Everything seems like it'll translate to a 1,000-yard-plus receiver. And, yeah, maybe you're not as excited uh, about him being, like, a true one. But if you're putting up 1,200 yards every year as, like, a 1B, that's still a first-round pick. Now, he only ran six routes in one or two wide receiver sets during his entire time at Ohio State. So I think Mm. there is even a question if he's even out there in two wide receiver sets when we see multiple tight ends or a fullback or whatever else on the field. But yeah, I mean, just to go back to circles to the start, like the stigma of slot wide receivers, like I don't think just exists anymore because we just saw a guy in the triple crown win a couple of years ago in, in Cooper Cup. And then on top of that, the money that Christian Kirk is worth the Jaguars. Chris Godwin is now a different kind of body. The name that you mentioned, I think Keenan Allen slash Amon Ross St. Brown, while they have like different body types, JSN can immediately come in and fill that type of production role. And I used to say, Greg and Mark, that like you can't build your wide receiver room or your passing offense around a slot wide receiver. And I think that's totally changed. Like you totally can now with how these coordinators, Mm. these play callers, manufacture space and opportunities over the middle of the field for these players now. I want to talk about your guy at number two, Jordan Addison uh, at USC. He was, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett's main target at Pitts before that. And this is an interesting guy. It kind of gets right into what you were talking about because he's 5'11", weighs 173 pounds. And, And you mentioned that there have only been 32 wide receivers in the past two decades that have weighed 173 or less at the combine, and like the the lineup of those guys that have succeeded is very limited. But what do you like about him? How can why can he succeed? Well, I think he can run levels or routes at all three levels of the field, and at the very least, he is going to be like a really good vertical player for whatever team drafts him. But he almost has mastered like the dark arts element, I would say, of wide receiver play. Mm-hmm. I like in that. terms, people of... should watch this on YouTube because Josh in his uh, Brooklyn studio slash basement cave looks like he performs dark arts late. Like he posts on, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, like the, the modern equivalent of Craigslist and people come over and there's some dark arts. I think that's on. his uh, only fans channel, but for, for a right. different part of the day. Oh, uh, 
I'm engaged in June, so uh, sure. none of that is, is That's occurring. great to find um, someone who shares that lifestyle with you. <laughs> uh, so getting back to football, um, <laughs> this element of, you know, forcing a cornerback in the direction that you want them to go in uh, to in order to get to your spot, right? So like first he'll take this step or animated movement and, you know, that forces the corner to open up his hips in this direction. He attacks that blind spot and then a corner is just completely off balance. And then he works back. He has like these Gumby like movements too, where he can kind of contort his body, whether it be screens or shallow routes. Um, and yeah, Mark, the, the size thing is fascinating because that there being five in this class alone, that way, 173 pounds or less. And as you said, 32 in the last 20 years. And three or four is, of them are probably in the top 10 receivers, right? Yeah. I mean, it's Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, Tank Dell, and then two others in Jalen Cropper and and Darius Davis. And Zay Flowers and so, seems like he truly is that size. Uh, yep. He just put on 10 pounds of muscle and you know, sent it out the before and after picture but, for the combine. Like the whole the whole catch all <laughs> term of route running, I would say probably Jordan Addison has like the best version of that here in terms of like sink your hips, create separation, sustaining it, all that. I think like at the very worst, he's Darnell Mooney, and you can get up to like the Emmanuel Sanders, T. Y. Hilton territory. Um, and those guys have obviously been, especially T. Y. Hilton, extremely productive and top options for their teams at some point during their career. See, I think he has a higher ceiling than that even or like or than Jackson Smith and Jigba. I went into this and I, I'm admitting that I have more work to do here. I was cramming, but I started watching these guys for the first time over the last week and uh, great play speed. I, I think like he, he's obviously faster than Njigba, like great feet, great suddenness. He's not that different than a slightly smaller Garrett Wilson uh, to me. It just seems like he, it's very easy to see him translate at the next level, anyone with that good feet. And I like that he worked in two different systems with two different quarterbacks. Granted, they were both great quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett and, and Caleb Williams. But to me, that is a major thing you, you now don't have to work like seeing a receiver succeed in two different systems it's like seeing a receiver go in free agency from one to the other that's completely taking them in different situations and he was like incredibly productive in both so to me like those these are the top two receivers in the draft they seem like the only two that are absolutely safe and are just going to be starters and they'll probably be good from day one and and maybe they don't have the highest ceiling as a Jamar Chase and all those guys, but will be starters. And to me, he has a little higher ceiling. Smith and Jigba, maybe uh, a little higher floor where he's a great after catch guy, you know, good vision, uh, you know, in terms of seeing what's in front of him. But Addison can just get open, man. And I, I liked him a lot. To your point, he mostly was a slot player at Pitt. So we have that checked off where he can play that in the NFL if he needs to. And then he was a predominantly right wide receiver at USC. 95% of his snaps were an out, outside right wide receiver. Um, I slightly disagree with you because the only reason, oftentimes, you know this, we connect like athleticism with ceiling. Jordan Addison might be like the worst athlete among this grouping. And he, he was average or below average in almost every single one of his categories. And then when you factor in weight in that, it obviously drops it down. But again, the nuances, the details of what I think, you know, wide receiver play is is all about. He definitely encapsulates that at all three levels of the field. And he's probably the only one you can say that with. So uh, definitely in agreement on that point with you. I enjoyed watching Zay Flowers. And, and again, with one of your breakdowns, I thought you showed that like when you get him into kind of pre-snap motion, there was a way to yes. really use his skill set, get him open. And then suddenly, like he's got defenders just behind him. Like that speed there, that quickness is an asset. I mean, I think he also at you know Boston College has not been a wide receiver factory by any notion. And there was some bad quarterback plays there. Do you think, though, that he can come in and compete against like bigger NFL quarterback cornerbacks and defenders on that front and still win the way he did in those situations. Yeah, definitely not a quarterback factory seeing as though uh, those quarterbacks stunk that were throwing in the football. Mm. Um, Zay Flowers is fascinating because he's that guy this year. And you know, this that gets like all the all pro or hall of fame comparisons, whether it be Steve Smith or Antonio Brown, because people love to watch small wide receivers who win big. Um, he was asked to do all the difficult stuff at Boston College in terms of play on the outside, be the vertical player, be the ISO ball guy. And while that hurt probably his production, because as you said, when he was kind of the Z or the movement or the underneath or the drag routes and get the ball in his hands, allow him to win after the catch, he starred in all that stuff. To me, what that shows, though, is the NFL, hey, we can ask you can ask these questions of if he can win on the outside, but it at least gives you a taste of it. 
because we know on the easy stuff he can shine. Like the movement he has with the ball in his hands and he loves to square up with his defenders too as soon as he catches it and almost turns into like a running back in those situations. So teams know he's going to be able to shine probably as that Z or as that slot player. But even having the glimpses, the moments, the opportunities to be more than that and like the focal point of this passing game, I think when the teams look back, they'll be pleased Mm. that they actually had that question asked with him. I wasn't at, like as excited. You put him in your first tier, essentially. You had a top three of Smith and yep. Jigba, Addison, and Flowers, and then a tier. I went into it kind of thinking Flowers is exactly my type. I mean, I love like I love the guys who just move different than everyone else and are great after totally. the catch. I I thought Kadarius to- like it doesn't take long to see Kadarius Tony and think like guys just don't move like that. There's a way to find. Uh, a role for him as an explosive player, but Flowers didn't pop like that for me. At least, at least like way ahead of the other small receivers in this class, and not like not quite as much as a guy like Kadarius Tony. But I, that's who I kind of think is a model for him, like in terms of how they would use him. That he's not going to be doing all the normal receiver stuff at first, but they'll probably have him like used as a as a runner and kind of. Not gimmick plays, but but plays where you work to get him get the, the ball. Get the ball in his hands. Yeah, yeah manufacture touches. Um, I had a out-of-left-field comparison. Again, I'm on this crusade to not compare everyone to like pro bowlers or all pros. <laughs> uh, do you remember Eddie Royal in okay. 2008? Okay. Uh, who had like an awesome first season with... Jay Cutler, uh, I believe. Throwing Shanahan and Jay Cutler. And then Josh McDaniels came in. They traded away Jay Cutler and it went to Kyle Orton. And is like, you know this from your Roto World days, like everyone was all in an Eddie Royal because he had over a thousand total yards his rookie season. And then it fell off a cliff. But he was almost of the same stature who with the ball in his hands was electric. Um, I am totally with you, though, on this point, just going back to JSN and why he's at the top is I don't think he necessarily runs the routes as they are on paper in that he will like manipulate or change it based on like the defense and the coverage and all these other factors with the spatial awareness that he has. I think Zay Flowers is like a bit more robotic in his, you know, like I'm going to run what's right. You can't pay for that though. That's, that's smart. That's, um, that's why I wondered, Steve Smith is writing for under or working for underdog right now. How did that, uh, negotiation go? Because he really liked Zay Flowers. (laughs) He said he sort of reminded him of himself. And I was like, Okay, I don't I don't quite see that yet. He's certainly not as like as physical as Steve Smith was uh, as a player. But I am curious just like how how that was bringing in Steve Smith to the company. Does he like leave food in the fridge at work? Like what's what's he like around the office? Right. Yeah. He leads all the all hands meetings every Monday at noon Eastern. That's what he does. No, your timing could not be better. This morning, we recorded what I planned to be about a 45-minute episode that turned into probably an hour and a half with Steve Smith. I don't know if you've ever had him on the show, but he uh, he just grabs it by the horns and takes it wherever he wants to go. <laughs> so it was it was an interesting dynamic. Um, I'm not, I, I listened to what you said or what you heard him say, and I thought it was going to be the same thing. And I came away thinking that maybe he misspoke at the front on Zay Flowers. Like, I don't think he necessarily believes they play the same exact spot, that he is that movement guy that you talked about. Like, Steve was an X, and it's crazy that everyone always, play like, compares these small guys who win big to Steve every single year and will for the next 20 years, too. But I think that he likes how competitive Zay Flowers is after the catch in terms of just being... uh almost a runner with the ball in his hands. And I think that's where his athleticism shows up the most. So, Yeah, I'd be excited. I mean, if my team got Zay Flowers, like, he'd be an exciting player. I just am not putting him like in that category. It, to me, it just seems like there's a lot of these guys and different people are going to have different opinions. And it's why like, maybe the third or fourth receiver in this class feels very similar in grading to the 12th. And I have a feeling a lot of mocks are going to get blown up. You mentioned X receivers. That kind of brings us to your next tier. So you had a, a tier more of four more players, and it starts with your number four is Cedric Tillman, little surprising, out of Tennessee, and then Quinton Johnson, who some people love. Yes. Uh, ben Solak over at the Ringer, I saw him had number 11 overall as his player. Yeah. D- Daniel Jeremiah doesn't have, have him that high, but he has him pretty high. I, I saw the 33rd team. I'm, I don't know who made the ranking. They had him number two overall. 
at, like Quentin Johnson. So Cedric Tillman, not as big as Quentin Johnson. Uh, you have them four and five Tillman from Tennessee, bigger receivers in, in a class full of small receivers. Why do you like Tillman so much to put him up that high? He just instantly reminded me of Corey Davis as like one of the bigger body guys who does all the difficult stuff, like the dirty stuff over the middle of the field. You know, if you need a slant, if you need an in cutting route, there aren't that many in this class that like have that size that can win that. I think Johnson is the more intriguing conversation because he is a big body. Like you said, six, two and three quarters, 208 pounds. The big plays are incredible. I mean, he averaged 22, 18 and 17.8 yards per reception over the last three years, but he plays so small, man. Like mm. he here's, here's a number for you. Um, 19 forced missed tackles, which is third best in this class. Yet I think he only, yeah, eight of 23 contested targets over the last year. He came down with 22 of 54 over the last three seasons. That's 125th among wide receivers in the 2023 class. Like we'll get to some of these other smaller guys, but they might win 13 of 18. So mm-hmm. it's, it's weird. He has, because everyone was so terrified of his speed in the Big 12, these runways to to go through. And because of that, you see these awesome big plays. But whenever he's either working back towards the quarterback or over the middle of the field, when he actually has to face contact, um, to me, kind of goes invisible. And that showed up a major factor in that Georgia game to end the season, where I think he only had one catch for five yards against Keely Ringo, who obviously is another prospect in this class. I mean, I know your 13 of 18 contested catches guy is Josh Downs, who you're pretty fascinated with, and we can get to him in a second. But Quentin Johnson, don't you think he's just someone that you're going to have teams around the league that say, yeah, there are a lot of chess catches. Um, He vanishes in certain games, but just the physical specimen in this draft specifically, too, where there was not a good free agency crop. And he's a different looking receiver than others. That you're, he would he be overdrafted? Or would, if it, in a different year, maybe he gets tiered in a different place. But the idea of him and what the potential is and what he could become is going to fascinate someone to grab him earlier than we th- than we might think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just think that they would be making a mistake doing that. But I can be totally wrong with this stuff. You know? Nope. You it's... you couldn't. It's, <laughs> it's never happened. It's not going to happen. Who does he remind you of? Because did you mention Martavis Bryant as a comp? Is I did. It... I did. But even Martavis was even, I think, more He's special. more physical, though. I mean, at least in terms of his body, he's, he's not like as skinny as Martavis Bryant. You, you know, I'm not saying the, the frame is exactly the same, but you know the inconsistency that we get from production-wise from Gabriel yeah. Davis on a week-to-week basis? I think that's what we will get from Quentin Johnson, where there are going to be some games if he doesn't hit a big play, he might just be silent. And I'm a little bit terrified of of that. And so the, it really does go go ahead. I was going to say that the 33rd team thing I was talking about. So that's a website that's run. You really have been cramming. Michael Ta- Mike Tannenbaum. <laughs> well, he listens to the show. He We called him out last week, and I said maybe he'll even hear this because he listens to the show in the Daniel Jeremiah episode. I don't know if he's listened to the Josh Morris episode. We'll see. Uh, we'll find out if he ranks you know, DJ over Josh Norris in terms of draft uh, pedigree. Uh, he owns it, I think. Uh, I, I think he's running this thing, and it's all former NFL evaluators, personnel right. evaluators, and their big board has Johnston second. So I think that shows you how, like, kind of old-school NFL, to Mark's point, yeah, I think so. dudes maybe look at this guy. And by the way, they have Broderick Jones, the, the tackle from Georgia, first. That's pretty wild, too. Did you have a chance to watch Johnson yet? Yes. Um, I thought he was like, think? well, I agree with you. He seemed like he's going to be a player that's very frustrating in the NFL. That he probably Hot could. Cold. He could produce in the right situation and he could get open. Like he's explosive in the short area. So I think that's why it was exciting is a guy that big who is explosive. I think he can get open relatively maybe for a, a bigger guy, but will be inconsistent, like not tough at the catch point. You're right. And uh, will probably be frustrating, like a frustrating guy if you t- take him high. To go back, I, I kind of asked Steve that question because, again, no one's better at like playing bigger than your size than he is. And like, is that something coaching can take up in terms of just, hey, utilizing this six foot nine frame when you use, when you have your wingspan instead of like playing like your 5'11"? Um, and I almost believe, Greg, it comes like from the individual. It comes from within somehow and like competitive. Yeah. So I, I can't really answer if he's going to improve that with NFL coaching because you kind of think with all these opportunities, I mean, 54 of them over the last three years, and we just haven't seen any development 
with it. But that's not to say like if he does get drafted, Mark, that he's going to be a zero. But he already has that insane deep speed that he will hit big plays no matter what. But if we got like plays big plus big plays, then I'd be much more comfortable feeling good about him in the first round. Yeah, zero would be a problem for all involved. No doubt about <laughs> yes. that. But- I, I love that you put Tillman, though, fourth. Before we quickly wrap up uh, the thing, was because I, I watched Tillman, and I, I really liked him a lot. And I think the only reason he's not getting looked at is because he was hurt this last year. But when he was on the yeah. same team as Hyatt, and I know they play different kind of spots on the roster, he had a 1,000 more yards than him. Like, that that matters a lot to me. And similar to Johnston as, like, one of the bigger guys in the class, but, like, sneaky long strides, like, could be an X, like, very fluid, makes tough catches, like, probably a number two receiver, but potentially a very good number two receiver. Lance Zierlein, our guy, uh, compared him to Michael yep. Pittman, and I thought that was a perfect comparison. He's a Michael Pittman-type player who just goes – and gets it. And to me, there's not a big difference between him and and like I said, like if if he's going to be later in the draft, uh, I, I would love to take him and, and maybe like him more than Johnson. All right, what were you going to say about Downs? Well, Mark? I know, I know, Josh Downs. Like you seem to really be fascinated with, and you you're, you're mean frustrated with big players who play small. You said the opposite about Downs, and I think also you just see the production. You mentioned that he had like 43 percent of UNC's targets in 2021 catches, and he had 90 plus passes catches a year ago. And it wasn't all, you know, schemed up stuff. It was, like, I think, only 11 of them were screens. So it's like, this player seems fascinating to me. I mean, again, he's another very small wide receiver. Uh, why do you like him so much? I think your, your opinions, you seem to have him a little higher than some other people do. Yeah, it, it does come back to just someone of that size winning 13 of 18 contested catches. And so, like, I think when you when you think about the slot wide receivers, many people believe they're just replaceable types. So does one have a calling card? Can they maximize or do something different than everyone else? And I would say for Josh Downs, it's playing bigger than his size. You know, uh, it, it just allows for more to happen for a player that is five foot nine, 171 pounds. Um, he's, I think, extremely explosive in his movements. He has like this stop and start nature to them. Mm. And he kind of has that JSN feel for soft areas. Like if the Panthers take CJ Stroud at number one and obviously can't get JSN at 39 overall, like filling that maybe with Josh Downs, who is truly a slot only, um, would make a lot of sense to me because it's that middle of the field connection that uh, Downs had with his quarterbacks at, at UNC too. It's... um. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever had a class that like lacks that top end appeal and just has so many of these names, but we know that so a number of these are going to be extremely productive. It's just obviously landing on the right ones well, for and, sure, and, that are in the right offense. And you look at these draft classes and like all these receivers keep getting underdrafted. Like all the second round receivers for the most part, not all, but the hit rate on second round receivers has been sky high compared to other positions. Like guys like Pittman, was Higgins technically a second round receiver? He was. He was just like, there's just been so many of these guys. And I think that'll happen in this class because I don't think anyone's, many of them are going to get taken and none are getting taken in the top 10. Maybe only three get taken in the first round or something. But it feels like there's 12 good ones. I, I kind of like the the look, look of Mingo. I, I like a little Jonathan Mingo look look pretty good. I like Tank Dell. You said stop and start. Like that kid can he can stop and start, and he's very very. I don't care if he doesn't have a great forty. He's very explosive in the first ten and can get open when it matters where he needs to get open. And everyone's gonna have their other different little favorites, and we'll talk about that as it gets to the draft. I guess my point is like there's like fourteen of them, and I'm not sure there's like a huge difference after the top two. It's it's like the year that uh, the independent films blew up the Oscars mm. and changed. And that that was sort of phony in a way, but it changed everything we thought about independent film. Maybe this is the undersized wide receiver class that changes our minds a couple years from now and shifts yeah. how we do some, things. Some might say it's the Greg and Mark year of the Ooh. 2023. NFL I don't draft. like that. Adver- I don't like I don't like that pitch. I do consider As myself the way that we discussed it. <laughs> I do consider myself a, a tank Dell. I have the confidence to be named Nathaniel and be Greg, one of the smallest people on the field and get the nickname tank. <laughs> I don't know how Before that you happened. me off the show, yes. can we talk just a little bit about Jalen Hyatt? Because mm. this Tennessee offense... I think it'd be funnier if I just didn't let you. <laughs> that I was Josh Norris. Underdog fantasy. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> You've been amazing. I'm really just going to complete this. Sorry. I'm really sorry. But I'm, we're going to get to Danny Kelly after this break. See you, Josh. 
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, welcome back to the show. You know, thanks for Josh Norris. Uh, felt like we we heard everything we needed to hear uh, from Josh. We had reached our end point. Yeah, he wanted to <laughs> add a few more details, and you shut the door on that opportunity, you which know, is that you're the host when, the today. So whenever, you know. whenever someone says, you know, can I have say one more thing? No one's ever said no. Right. I think it was time. It's, I think it's, it feels like a very Rosenthal hammer swing, and I, I enjoy it. Me and all the, my friends are in jerks. real time. <laughs> I'm feeling the power chair, and that's why I'm so excited to let uh, Danny Kelly uh, enter the program here today. Danny Kelly uh, has been writing for The Ringer for who knows how long. A long time. How long, Danny? You can jump in here. About seven years, I think, wow, now. A, which a long time. Kind of crazy. Yeah. So a fantasy writer at The Ringer. But he's not just fantasy. He's also their big draft expert. <laughs> he's wearing two hats. Two big yeah. hats. He's got the uh, big board up by uh, Danny Kelly over at the Ringer. Uh, he's been a Seahawks fan forever. And uh, he has a mysterious man in the background of his YouTube shot. Who is that? Is that a Philadelphia Philly? What is going on there? The, uh, that's Ken Griffey Jr. Oh. I live in Bellingham, I live in Bellingham okay. Washington, and okay. he played for the Baby M's for a spell there when he's like 18 years old. Okay. And so, yeah, there's a picture of him. So I just wanted to start off. You didn't hear our, our previous uh, interview with Josh Norris. I just wanted to get your thoughts on Jalen Hyatt, Danny. <laughs> I think he's he's very good at one or two things, and that will get him on the field early in his career, and then he's going to have to develop from there, be a little bit more well-rounded route runner. Um, you know, expand all that, get a little bit better at catching the football. But overall, a very explosive big play receiver who I think has a role. Okay, on. I surprised you with that, and you don't even know what what the backstory is, and you don't need to. I just hope that Josh <laughs> hears that. I thought that was excellent. Oh, you handled it well, Jalen Hyatt analysis. Actually, but yeah, before we do get to the tight ends, because we're kind of structuring this show on pass catchers in general, mm-hmm. wide receivers, tight ends. Do you have any? Like, what is? Your hottest or uh, least conventional uh, wide receiver take, or just or, 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 or a, a couple, really just question. like something up there where you feel like you're a little different than consensus at, at receiver. That's a really good question. I think. Let's see here. Marvin Mims is discount Jordan Addison. Okay, How about that that's good. I like Marvin that. Mims in the second instead of Jordan Addison in the first. Kind of play similar roles. I think Addison's a better route runner, but generally speaking, around the same size, both big play receivers, both a lot of. Uh, production. I like Mims a lot. I think it's kind of strange how he doesn't have a whole lot of hype right now. Um, but to me, he extremely fast. Like he can, the, the term, the expression I heard that I really liked is he can beat guys off the dribble. He's just like one step and he's down the field mm. and he gets past coverage. Um, so that's what I picture when I, when I think about him. So I think he has a potential to be a steal in the draft. It's such an unusual draft class this year because we just talked with Josh Norris about how small the wide receivers are. But when you look at these tight ends, I mean, they are massive bodied individuals. There's some like literally human freakazoids like entering the league at this time (laughs) around. And I I really enjoyed your write up because I think it allowed you just to use language just to describe their bodies in general, like what these teams are going to get. I mean, are there a couple teams if you're thinking like, you know, we need a pass catcher. We need a target for our offense. It's like this might be the year where you swing on a tight end and just maybe let some of these wide receivers fall deeper down. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it's such an interesting class from the tight end point of view because I think the NFL has not had a ton of success with tight ends in the first round. Like if you go back in the last 10 years or so, first round tight ends, generally speaking, are kind of busts. Um, even Kyle Pitts, I think, hasn't really lived up to his draft uh, status yet, though I do think he will eventually. But that's part of the deal. Like it takes these guys a little bit longer. So, on one hand, I think there's a chance some of these highly touted tight ends will drop a little bit in the draft. But on the other hand, like you were mentioning, you know, if, with the receiver class, kind of, I think the NFL is a little bit split on them. I don't know if there's really any, you know, top tier guy. There's no chase. 
there's no Jamar Chase in this class. And so um, we could see teams just have a look at it more like a holistic point of view. Like we're just going to get a pass catcher, a playmaker. We're going to get this guy, plug him into our offense and and go from there. So from that point of view, maybe you, we see two or three or four tight ends go in the first round rather than some of these Woo. shrimpy 173 pound receivers <laughs> or whatever. Like it, to me, that's just like a little bit worrisome. Zay Flowers, um, Jordan Addison, even Jalen Hyatt, very, very skinny guys. And so uh, maybe the NFL teams will opt to go a little bit bigger and, and draft one of these other quote unquote playmakers, uh, even though they're not receivers technically. Right. Tank Dell, Josh Downs, who who you mentioned. Josh uh, Downs. Yeah, he's tiny. Like, well, it feels like a lot of that where it's all, all these guys. Well, I'd rather have pick a wide receiver. Downs, T- Tillman, who you seem to like uh, relatively. Um mm-hmm. You know, pick them in the second, pick uh, a different position in the first because it, it's close enough. But the first might be those tight ends. As you mentioned, I'm, I was yeah. a little surprised to see Michael Mayer uh, as your number one tight end. You called him a berserker Urukai <laughs> from Helm's Deep. Do you know what that is, Greg? No. Helm's Deep? No, I don't. <laughs> I explained it to the Yeah. Uh, it's yeah, a it's a pretty it. it's a pretty great um compare it's just this like underground absolute like mythical being that is look it just again <laughs> it looks beyond something we would imagine from a human being and I just like this is what I love about your writing it was like very <laughs> picturesque yeah I'm sorry I, I'm not there for that but I feel like it was very evocative Danny and yeah. uh, as someone <laughs> I saw Lord of the Rings in a special screening before it came out with other oh, new wow. with other new line employees. Uh, who were excited because it was going to change their lives. I lived, you know, I was a roommate with one of them and people walked out of that like it was a religious experience. They were so (laughs) excited, so happy. And I was like halfway through, I was like, are they ever going to just stop walking? It's just like they just keep walking. And I've, I've, it's very rare that I keep my mouth shut and don't say anything that I'm thinking, but I just kept my mouth shut and, and let them have their moment. So you can have this moment and talk Michael Mayer. That's, I mean, that what you're describing is how I felt watching the Michael Mayer tape. So well, there just, you it was go. A religious experience for me. Um, no, I don't know. To me, it, it's tough because I really like Dalton Kincaid from Utah. I'm guessing we'll get to him. But Michael Mayer to me is just really complete. He's a really good blocker, very, very strong. Um, and he's, you know, not the elite level athlete that some of these other guys in this class are, but he's a good athlete, he's above average athlete. And he is the type of guy who could play on all three downs. He's not going to give away any like formation, formational tendencies or play calling tendencies. He's just kind of like that prototypical wide tight end. And I think the thing that where he separates himself a little bit from maybe some of the other guys in this class is just his catch strength at the, you know, at the catch point, basically he in combat catch situations, he's like unheard of good. Like he's combat catch. Good. Is that like yeah. one of the new terms? That's from Lord of the Rings too. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, he, he to me he's just so strong. He just knows how to box out guys. He he has vice grip hands, that kind of thing. He's just so um tough and physical at the catch point. He's gonna be a good red zone target. I, I, he's gonna be a quarterback's best friend. All the cliches, but it's true. I love your um in your mock draft because you're right. He led the the league and uh, among all tight ends and contested catches. You called said he's built like a tank and plays like one. And you paired them <laughs> with the Detroit Lions, which is exactly sort of what mm. they're looking for. And they you know out goes T.J. Hawkinson like. In comes this guy who kind of fits what the Lions are trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, they're a take a hunk out of you type of team. Like, that's their ethos. That's their personality. And he, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys saw him interviewing at the Combine, but Michael Mayer is the most intense individual I think I saw at that at the Combine. And, you know, he just kind of gets up there. He's, like, super confident. He just towers over everybody, and he, he's just, like... I don't know. It was, it was hard to explain, but he's, he's very Detroit Lions-y to me. He just well, Dan Campbellish. You're just you're yeah, profiling I mean, here. You're profiling. <laughs> appropriately. Absolutely. I mean, if he's this the is most what coaches do, but yeah. that makes sense. He's the most Dan. I mean, and that's what coaches do. I mean, Dan Campbell might be looking for uh, the guy he could never be because it's not like Michael Mayer <laughs> right. is like some incredible blocker or anything. I know there's like the Witten comparisons, but maybe he gets to be a good blocker, but he's not a huge mm-hmm. guy or anything like that. But you're saying just in terms of, in terms of uh, his weight, uh, like the competitiveness, yeah, just catching the ball, that seems like an important thing for a tight end. Right, and I think, you know, the Lions want to be multidimensional. They want to run the ball. Um, you know, they went and signed David Montgomery. They want to have the ability to do it all, kind of, and I think he doesn't, you know, 
he doesn't pigeonhole them into passing or running on any given down. So um, to me, that's where his value is. And they don't have a guy that's really coming in to replace what Hawkinson was giving them before. Our guy, Daniel Jeremiah, called Dalton Kincaid a more explosive version of, of Zach Ertz. Um, and you're right up. Your comp, Cole, and you said, I don't even want to say it, but I'm thinking it. <laughs> hmm. What are you thinking for the people? Who you, that... who, yeah. Who do you think I'm, I'm talking about there? Kelsey. Yeah. I, I, I think that's exactly what it was. Just like it's like I, say it you're teasing us and I enjoy it. <laughs> people get so mad, Greg, when you compare people, when you compare prospects to the elite players at the position, even though I do it all the time. Um, it, I, it's just to me when he moves around, he's not quite as, as, as heavy as, as Travis Kelsey, but he, the way he moves, the smoothness, the fluidity, his run after the catch, um, it's reminiscent of Travis Kelsey. It really reminded me of Travis Kelsey watching him. So, um, I've always said my, my sort of bit is that Travis Kelsey looks like he's pretending he's surfing when he runs routes. Mm. Like he's just kind of like, you know. I don't even know. Like, I don't know the surfing terms. Well <laughs> no, I think that's a good do way to do it. He's very fake it. He's very often kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, weaving through the Chargers. Uh, yes, looks like secondary. he's doing a cutback on on a surfboard. But um, yeah, so to me, he's he's just like fluid, really natural, really good after the catch. Um, he doesn't not he does not block very well. In fact, he kind of gets rocked when he's trying to block anybody. But um, you know, as a pass catcher, as a pure pass catcher, I think he has potential to be the best in this class. He's he's just so smooth, so athletic, good body control, can go up and twist and contort in the air and come down with the football, you know, all that good stuff. I want to talk more about Kincaid because I am I I loved what I saw in my uh, limited uh, viewing, admittedly limited. Uh, yeah. But at first I wanted to talk, and I wanted to bring, bring our producer Justin Graver in here too. Um, Justin, have you noticed the simmering bromance here? between Mark and Danny cuz Mark is a wordsmith. It takes <laughs> it takes a lot to impress Mark in terms of like writing ability, but he said it before the show, he said it a few times on the show. He really likes the way Danny uh, you know, turns a phrase. And that's what gets I do. that's what gets Mark up in the morning. Yeah, and I can see the the connection forming already over the Lord of the Rings, you know. <laughs> that's true too. Comparisons and I, I I can just see it in Mark's eyes. He's smitten. <laughs> I, I'm not going to deny it. Like you've won me over with the entire project, and you've done a Have you great two job ever met? Have you ever two ever met? Uh, yeah, we, not enough. I don't um, think so. Not enough is yeah, not is sure. put into so. draft guide writing. You know what I mean? People think it's just kind of, I, I mean it. Like people think it's just like all about evaluation, but over the years, like the evaluations kind of even out. And some of the, I see out there, some of these people making their big boards, they don't try to entertain at all. That's where DK comes in. That's right. That's my niche right there. Yeah. <laughs> He's the Dalton Kincaid of uh, big board writers. I don't know. It, to me, it'd be hard to imagine taking Michael Mayer over Dalton Kincaid. And I could totally see why Kincaid would go in front of all the receivers in this class, even though that mm-hmm. makes me nervous because of what you said about the tight end position, that it's just, man, it's just been really hard to project. But I'm, I'm almost a little surprised mate, that Kincaid doesn't have even more pop, I guess just because he didn't, right. he didn't right. play as much. Maybe that's it. Cause he just looks incre- like when, when I saw DJ Daniel Jeremiah, our guy, like, rank him that high without the the tape as much like man i i think it's for a reason his hands are crazy he shakes off tacklers like crazy and mm-hmm. his burst is just wild uh for a tight end at that size like i don't need to see the testing it's there on the field like he has yeah. balance he has the hands but it's the burst to me cuz i think that's the easiest i think the eye test does matter a little bit and i think burst is something you can see and like that dude is just gonna get open it's like hard to imagine if he's in the right system not making a ton of plays and so to me he's more exciting and that i'm just falling for the shiny object and i could totally see him oh, going like in it. front of any wide receiver in this class and definitely i would want him ahead of mayor He's more you know the you know the meme that, that that gets shared on Twitter all the time where it's like the guy who's all of a sudden leans forward in his chair when he's doing doing the video games he's got the controller in his hands like this is to me what happened when I turned on the Kincaid tape yeah I'm like okay hold on <laughs> you have my attention because I I kind of went in like thinking oh he's probably a little bit overrated but. No, I, I loved I loved everything about it. It was like one of the most exciting. There's like three or four players that you kind of like think of when because they're like honestly going through 100 200 players, you know, during the draft process, it becomes a slog. So he was one of like a handful of guys that I'm just like, seriously, whoa, this guy's awesome. I love this player. Um, and I think to me, it, you know, you, you mentioned like it's hard to imagine anyone 
picking Mayer over him. I think to me, it's just stylistically, what do you want? It's kind of like the receiver position. There's just so many different types of receiver out there that it's almost like a vibe saying, what kind of player do you want in your offense? So I could absolutely see Kincaid going over Mayer. It just depends on who's picking at that point. I want the big playmaker. That's the vibe I like. I mean, they both have great hands. You can't tell me Dalton Kincaid doesn't have great hands. He has great hands too. No, he does for sure. I, uh, you know, I, I'm with Greg. I'm getting to the tape maybe a little bit later than you and uh, fellow draft Knicks around the country. But um, someone that just jumped out to me, and I'm not alone in this one, was just Darnell Washington. And oh, yeah. I'm thinking of a, a clip I saw where he was in a shifting situation with another big-bodied individual who was six foot four, and he towered over him because he's six foot seven. He's two sixty-four. Yeah. Um, he's doing stuff at the combine with like the twenty-yard shuttle. That's insane. Like. I don't know how this guy escapes the first round on any level because it's just right. like the concept of what you could do with him and how athletic he is and what he looks like on a football field. It's just like, sign me up for the next mm. seven or eight years of this individual. Yeah. I mean, it's planet theory, right? There's just not very many guys on the planet his bit that, that big and that fast, that athletic. And I was actually pretty shocked to see him. I think he ran the third fastest three cone at the combine of any player, not just tight end, like of any players like Jackson Smith and Jigba in a corner or something, you know, were faster than him in the three cone, which was shocking. Um, I don't know if that necessarily shows up on tape, but it well, just that's what you hear. You, Isn't that a problem? Everyone's like, well, you don't really see it when he plays football. <laughs> Seems- I think it just tells you um, maybe a little bit. more just how good of an athlete he is not necessarily like going to show up in terms of his route running, but he's just a really good athlete really can, you know, sink his hips and all that stuff. Um, But to me, when I watched him, you know, he's a dominant run blocker in space. Like he engulfs people in the screen game when they get him moving in space. And like at the second level, he's absolutely dominant. So I think a team that likes using the screen game would absolutely love this guy. I think he's, very good, or at least above average as like an inline blocker as a, you know, in the passing game. And so you can use him as a inline guy to have that extra protection to the quarterback. So like he's, he can do a lot of different things for your offense. Plus I think he's got, there's just a lot of meat on the bone in terms of his ability as a pass catcher. He's so big, so physical. He's six, seven, two sixty five, or, you know, I think he played at like two eighty something, honestly, let's, he might've slimmed down for the combine. Um, but he's just such a dominant force. Um, In the red zone, you can just throw it up and let him go get it. I don't think he's the most natural pass catcher of this group, but his ability to be a run blocker and pass blocker and and basically do it all is what is going to get him in the first round. He's probably going to be a first-round pick, I'd say, just because of the physical traits and the upside there. It reminds me of this horrible experience I had in high school where uh, I played cornerback because I was like my size and they were like just the 18th <laughs> cornerback. And there was a game where like 17 guys got shredded. And so I'm out there and yeah. they, we were playing a team that had no quarterback. So they were just direct snapping to like a left <laughs> no. tackle who could run fast. And there were a couple scenarios yeah. where it's like, I've got this guy coming straight at me. Um, why am I on the earth right now? So I think mm-hmm. that's how a smaller mm-hmm. cornerback is going to feel against this Washington. I, oh, I could see that. I could see the Titans taking that. I forget who was the coach at the combine who said like it or some personnel guy that was like, it really is important to be a good looking team coming off the bus. I mean, someone said that and it was like, yeah, is I it? That. I don't know. Like, who, but um, <laughs> if you're hanging outside the bus, I guess. Like, right. Like know. who is staying on that around that bus? But the Titans are that team that like that look great coming off the bus. Uh, the Patriots mm-hmm. like to be that team a little bit too, or at least in the past they used to. We'll see. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, Danny, and then we'll wrap up tight ends and any other big picture thoughts before we say goodbye. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Okay, we are back. Uh, Danny, when you uh, looked at athletic tight ends why mm-hmm. didn't you rank sam laporta higher on your big board number <laughs> 60 this was the guy that intrigued me i think in the way that yeah. darnell washington intrigued uh mark just because you can you can see him getting again short area quickness where you can see him open getting open quickly which is what is going to happen in the nfl he's stuck yeah. in an offense that's stuck in like you know 20 
you know, 47. And so they <laughs> never know how to use their awesome tight ends that they have. But we've right. seen tight ends from Iowa obviously have uh, a lot of success. Uh, why is Sam Laporta not higher on your rankings? Defend yourself. Oh, man. I like, is he I like too that high? you like I Laporta. Um, <laughs> I would love to see the consensus ranks. I feel like I'm a little bit higher than... People that might be true. It. I guess it was kind of like when I saw the <laughs> com- get off my back man. When, when I saw the combine numbers plus uh, his tape, like his combine numbers mm-hmm. are insane. He was yeah. like 90th percentile in most of these things. So he is a, he's a freaky athlete from Iowa. I'm definitely doing the same school thing, but I don't care. I no, I like it. I really do. He's. I think he led their team in receiving in the last two years, and, and so that's what um, I'm saying. And like, he's it, their go-to guy, and you know, teams know that they're going to pass it to him. He still produces. I think all those things are very um, critical. Um, he can move. He can do some yeah. option routes. He can block, oh, and he can block a little too because he went to Iowa. And he can run after the catch. He's really. He's like one of those guys that just refuses to go down. It, you know, it is Kittle-esque. Not to compare him necessarily straight up to Kittle, but. Um, you know, he has that run after catch ability. Yeah, maybe I am a little bit too low on oh, him. Oh, good. I, I'm like, convincing uh, you. I, I do like him. I I, I don't want to sound like I'm, you know, trying to tell you that I think he's not a very good player. I think he's really good. I think he's going to be, um, you know, the type of tight end that in the NFL gets into the NFL and becomes really famous because he's going to catch a lot of passes. <laughs> I was trying I to think, he... who are the other Iowa tight ends? Because, sure. yeah, because... I think it was Greg Cosell I heard say something recently. It was like, you know, tight ends, the, in terms of production, is often the scheme you're in. And, like, mm-hmm. he was calling out people that got a little too excited about Dalton Schultz, and maybe I was one of them. I ranked him very high in my tight end. It's like, he's in that <laughs> offense. Whoever's in that offense is going to catch a lot of passes. And Sam Laporte is sort of the opposite right. as George Kittle. I was trying to figure out who were the other Iowa tight ends. There really weren't that no, many. Uh, no fan. Okay, Dallas Clark also went to Iowa. Dallas Clark, that's a good Laporta. Marv Cook, who was uh, on the tight end uh, New England, I mean, the Tecmo Bowl, New England Patriots, I believe, the original Tecmo Bowl tight end (laughs) for the Patriots, Marv Cook. Also appeared uh, in Lord of the Rings. I like the Dallas Clark. Who did you play (laughs) with Tecmo Bowl, Mark? Let's go around the room. What team? The original. I'm not talking Tecmo Super Bowl. We're old enough. Maybe Danny's not. Well, I played with the Cleveland Browns, and you have Kevin Mack just smashing Uh, through people left and right. Okay. That makes sense. That was actually uh, a really fun team because it had Kevin Mack and Eric Metcalf. Right? Well, the second one had Metcalf, and that was a sort of a bad Browns team that you could form into a good one if you (laughs) had the skills that some of us had. Who would you play with, Danny? You're not as old as us, but, you know, you're close. I'm I'm close. Um... I I don't remember the the actual players. I do think it was the Phil Sims Giant. Is the Giants? Was he on the Giants back in the day? Yeah, and they had a thing where um there was a cheat code where Lawrence Taylor, um on on special teams could literally block every single extra point. So if you got high scoring enough game, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you'd have to get an extra touchdown on those Giants. I think I've played with the Giants all the time. I can't remember. There's a really good running back on that team. I'm blanking on. Maybe you guys remember. Might that. have been Otis Anderson. I think. I think it was I Otis. Know. I think it was a lot of slants from Phil Sims. It was a lot of Lawrence Taylor <laughs> wrecking yeah. shop. Uh, any any other tight ends that excited you? I looked at a couple more. Luke Musgrave is not the type of guy that is going to get me going in the morning. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, like one of those tall, like those, he just looks like an injury waiting to happen. Like he's too. Well, he was he, injured his whole right, career too. Right. Basically. And he's too tall. When you're, when you're that tall and he's not like, Great, yeah. a great mover after the catch or anything like that. He's going to go down on contact. I know Greg Cosell loves him some Tucker Craft, who I really hadn't yep, heard of yep. until the last week or two. You have him ranked pretty high. Any other hot mm-hmm. uh, tight end takes for you? Uh, I do like Tucker Craft. I mean, you know, coming from a small school, he doesn't got a lot. He doesn't have a lot of hype, but he moves well. He's one of these big, broad-shouldered, beefy fellas. You know, it, it, just the type of player to expect uh, South Dakota State to play. Um, Luke Shoemaker from Michigan. I'm actually Ooh. writing him up today. You know, he's a pretty athletic guy. He kind of reminded me of Cole Komet. Um, oh, Dan, Davis... you have Musgrave 29, so I just assassinated one of your first-round picks. you <laughs> well, got to defend him now. He's, so he's, to me, I he's I spent Tyler, literally seven Tyler minutes, Eifert. and I was just like, I like, I like don't like the type of player he is, you know? He, like, best case, the... it's Mike Gusecki. You can't, it's hard to watch his tape and be like really excited about it. But what you have to do is sort of project what he could be in the future, I think, because, you know, he, he hasn't played for most, he didn't, certainly didn't, he played two games, I think, in 2022. Um, but, you know, the athleticism, the burst, the movement skills, all that stuff, it's like, th- this is what we're projecting with all tight ends. But it seems um, worse than all the other guys, but maybe I'm wrong. That's just using my eyes and like, it's kind of like Brandon Jacobs. I always, like, Brandon Jacobs was awesome, but there was such a, 
there's such an area where you could hit him. That seems like <laughs> the strike zone. That's why he keeps zone. getting hurt, I think. But <laughs> That's fair. Um, I want to give you some context about this tight end class, though. Like, it feels like you're picking nits on Musgrave, but like all these guys are just absolutely elite athletes. Mm. So um, okay. Kentley Platt does the RAS score, the RAS score. Um, and this goes back to 1987. It's basically a, a like a it's a score that spits out. It's he spits out a score based on like your athletic testing and your size and all that. Um, and out of 1,091 tight ends, so just over a thousand tight ends, going back to 1987, Zach Kuntz from Old Dominion is the first most athletic. He's the the most athletic tight end ever. Uh, Darnell Washington ranks 14th. Luke Shoemaker ranks 16th. Luke Musgrave ranks 26th. Tucker Craft ranks 37th. Sam Laporta ranks 57th. And that doesn't even include Dalton Kincaid, who didn't test, and Michael Mayer, who is an above-average mm. tight end. Like this is an absolutely freak show group of tight ends. Like they're all just insanely athletic. Like you know, it. it I just cannot wait to see. I think you alluded to it earlier. Landing spot is really going to matter. Like Greg Cosell says, like a lot of the times, the uh, tight end production is a function of the offense and a function of the quarterback. And I believe that I, I do think that's really true. So like if Luke Musgrave lands with the Cowboys, for instance, I'm going to be extremely excited from mm -hmm. a fantasy point of view. If he lands with a team that likes to rotate and have like three tight ends on the field at all times and really spread the ball around, I'm, I'm probably going to be avoiding that. Um, but landing spots can be key with a lot of these guys. But I think the bottom line is they're just really, really, really good athletes at the tight end position. That's why so many people are excited about this draft class. And Zach Kuntz, who you mentioned from Old Dominion, uh, is six foot seven and had those incredible <laughs> scores. So it's just another yeah. example of that. And I mean, you, it, it seems like even with Kyle Pitts, it takes these NFL tight ends typically like till year three, if not maybe year two in some cases to flourish. I mean, it's just over and over and over. And I wonder if this is the class where we get because of fit, because of the way that tight ends are being used differently than in the past, like we can reverse that trend and they can get some yeah. year one stars out of the gate. That's, that's been so atypical. I think we can. And honestly, if you look back at what Pitts did as a rookie, he, I think he set the record for most receiving yards for, for a rookie, or at least he was second to, uh, to I'm blanking on the name here. Uh, you know, the very famous Ditka Ditka. Anyway, Come he, on. Um, We're, you, did, you don't know Ditka's first I'm name. I'm terrible. I'm terrible with names. Mike Ditka. Um, okay, anyways, Yes, yeah, so I think we kind of forget that that Kyle Pitts went over a thousand yards as a rookie. Even last year, um, you know, Greg Dulcich looked pretty good for the Broncos at times when he was playing. Um, you know, we're I think we're starting to see tight ends get involved in the passing game a little bit earlier than you know historically speaking has has been the case. And you know, offenses are changing. It's it's more spread out. Um, you know, teams are passing more generally speaking. And I think just as we get further and further along, like teams or tight ends coming up through the ranks are more athletic and have run more routes throughout their career. It's the, it's the same deal with all these receivers that are coming in. It's like, you've been playing seven on seven since you're, you know, six years old. Um, and you're just more in tune with the passing game. So, um, yeah, I think there is something there that we could see these mm. tight ends start to be, um, a little bit more productive early on in their career. I actually heard an interesting note from Andy Staples this morning on, on the athletic podcast. And he was saying with, basketball kind of losing the like power forward position as, as like that sport evolves the power forward position of you got like six foot five, you know, 250, 260 pound guys or whatever. Um, they're starting to play football instead. They're starting to play mm. tight ends. So we're like seeing more and more of these guys. I thought that was a really interesting point. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but maybe there's uh, something there too. Works out for us. I well, right. And I look yeah. at it with every sport, like bigger Every big athlete now is the best big athlete in their sports history. Like <laughs> yeah, tennis players, crazy. like big yeah. tennis players are so much more athletic than big tennis players used to be. It's certainly that way with basketball and Webb and Yama and everything. And now we're seeing it at like the mm -hmm. big positions. Uh, I, I am a little concerned and maybe this is more of like a next gen stats or analytics department type of thing. When you were listing off the names of the tight ends you named, there's a lot of Zach's. Luke's, <laughs> Tyler's, Luke's. Yeah. Dalton's. There, it all seems to be in like <laughs> yeah, right? a lot of Zach's and Luke's. So Davis. just, yeah. uh, just, just something to watch it's out. A big for. concern for you, <laughs> okay? Uh, Danny, you're you're the best. Um, I don't know if you have any other hot uh, draft takes, but it's been a it's been a pleasure to have you you on. And and if you do, like, you could just go out with uh, some sort of 
uh, <laughs> mic drop here that we will then oh bring back up to you right after the draft or maybe after the um, 2023 season. My Just, favorite player in the draft is Devon A. Chain, running back out of Texas A&M. Who? Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's Ooh, small. That's he, a hot he's take. 188 pounds. I'm not saying he's the best player. He's my favorite player. Um, oh. So I really hope he lands with the team that will use him and turn him into the next work done. That's all. That's Ooh, my I like that. A little, where, and where do you think he might go, by the way? Just like what's a I mean, rough round uh, approximation? Probably late second, early third, or, okay. or some some part, some part in the like later part of day two, I think. I like that because uh, this is kind of spice rackish here. Um, he always would have a uh, former yeah. uh, and current, you know, hopefully soon we'll have him on on the show too. Spice Rack. He's going to be mad uh, when he hears this. And <laughs> and uh, he we'd always make him stick on one player. Devon A-Chain is your guy. Yeah, it's, I'm going to think of Danny Kelly every time his, his name is brought up <laughs> and when it. he plays in the NFL. No, it's good because he's probably going to be pounds. he's going to be it's fun and good. Bet. And if you nail this, uh, the, the world is your oyster. <laughs> yeah. All right, thanks, Danny. We'll see you. Thank you. All right, thanks, guys. All right, we did it. Did we get smarter? I think so. We talked. I mean, I, part of it was like to to even hold the conversation. Uh, we had to do a, mount, a certain amount of work going in. Yeah, got smarter from that, and then got smarter from these two fellows. No, so. it is good. The more you put into it, the more you get out on draft day too. And maybe we're basic uh, bitches here, but it's like it's more fun to talk about these skill position players. Yeah, I think we are basic bitches. <laughs> if you're gonna like do some do some uh, tape study and whatnot, isn't it more fun to watch uh, this? Then like, it doesn't mean we're interior linemen or guards or even defensive ends or cornerbacks. You really grind in that like the route tree tape that the cornerbacks are doing. Like, I guess you could you could look at the highlights, you could look at the targets, certain things. Uh, but it's easier, frankly, and more fun to do the wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. Yeah, backs. and I think when your draft prep begins in you know mid to late <laughs> March, you've got to prioritize the the fun. <laughs> spots you're right i feel bad for saying who on devon aching uh too because he's a he's a day day two draft guy he i don't like that he's sort of a rival in the tajay spears is uh, my favorite player of the draft uh you know he's yeah. kind of in that lane that sort of running back um justin hey i want you to give us a grade for this this show <laughs> uh b minus okay that's very fair. I think that is uh, that is more than fair and consistent with uh, previous grading on this show. <laughs> on Wednesday, I won't be here. I can't wait uh, to be on the beach in Hawaii, put in my AirPods, and li- I'm probably not doing this, but uh, I should, <laughs> put on the Chaos Pod starring Mark Sessler and guests. Yeah, Patrick Claibon um, told me this morning he's still in, uh, <laughs> so that's a win, and we're going to confirm with Colleen, and I think we're going to try to cook up something spicy for you, Greg, on, I, the, on that beach. I can't wait. I think that is going to drop on Thursday, uh, and we'll be back uh, then with Mark and uh, whatever he has cooking up. Uh, this was fun. Until then. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.